hey there all you DC Comics News fans, comic book fans, fans of podcasts and lists and top fives and things like that. Well, congratulations, you've arrived at the Spinner Rack right here on the DC Comics News Podcast Network. Yeah, that snarbling noise in the background is not me. No, I am not chewing or chowing down. Those are actually my two faithful compadres on this podcast. I'm talking about Bruno and Fiji. If you've been here before, you've heard about them. If you haven't, you will get to know them. They are one of the features, one of the favorites, definitely regulars. They are my pups. They are here. You will hear licking and chewing, sometimes some snorting. Sometimes someone falls asleep and there's a dream. But if you've read The Sandman, well, go ahead and consider whatever your take on a dream is. For this episode number 130, the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, much like all the 129 that have preceded it, I'm going to give you my top five picks from DC Comics the week of November 2nd, and then the following weeks after, (laughs) just like I have for all the weeks before. I give you uh, my first two in an ad break, and then we go ahead and follow up with my final three. And for this week, I'm leading things off with Soul Plumber number two, a story with friends like these, part two, with a concept by Marcus Parks and Henry Zabrowski and Ben Kissel, written by Marcus Parks and Henry Zabrowski, with layouts by John McCrea, and P.J. Holden, inks by John McCrea, colors by Mike Spicer, letters by Becca Carey, with an original cover by uh, McCrea and Spicer, as well as a variant cover by Kelly Jones and David Baird. So, for starters, the original cover, it's, <laughs> it's very distinctive. The variant, well, you're going to know it as soon as you see it. Which one you choose to pick up is your choice. What I can tell you is that what you will find inside is a very gory opening two pages. A pair that remind us that things did not end in issue number one in a delicate way. In fact, there was a very shocking set of developments, one of which is still there, facing young Edgar Wiggins right in the face. A pink floating entity, somewhat blobbish, perhaps. Now, Edgar, successful on a previous act of violence that he has some trouble recalling, decides that he's going to strike out. And then he sees the bodies and he remembers And then he gets sick. And that is when the pink blob, the entity, this thing floating, goes into his head and shares with us the life story of Edgar, who (laughs) has been misguided his entire life. Had parents who never really cared for him, who he feels were too busy building skate ramps or being punk rock to really be influential figures, which is why He soon turned to a very interesting character by the name of, yes, Father Ricardo Glenn, a.k.a. Judo Priest. Someone who imparted at least 
one form of knowledge to Edgar, which is faith always wins. So we'll see if that pans out. Edgar, quick to recognize that his parents were not his role models, pushed on to find greater glories and tempted to do so by making his way to Bishop Jose Funes College in Indianapolis. His fervor was grand, his passion was great. However, he mistook something he thought he saw as a miracle, called many higher authorities, and found himself eventually removed from the school grounds and his goal to uh, become part of the great calling. Now, he also has the opportunity to uh, <laughs> to meet Blorp, who, after first sort of invading Edgar's mind, then invites him into Blorp's mind, where Edgar is clearly blown away and experiencing a very cosmic, universal-scale environment within Blorp's mind. He doesn't do well. In fact, it's quite shocking for him. He sees another world and a whole other entity, or as he describes it, an untold number of God's universes. And this is the lens that Edgar lens that Edgar continues to use as he shares with us his pursuit of greater understanding. And it is a <laughs> it's a very sardonic look at faith, those who follow it, the machinations and the structures that support it, and also the questionable, if not downright problematic issues that are revealed through an amazing cast of characters. And I think uh, if you enjoy something beyond the traditional comics and far removed from superheroes, capes, and secret identities to a horror scene that seems to walk comfortably in knee-deep sewers and through it reach their hands into the mucky water and say, hey, look at this. Let me tell you a story. Then Soul Plumber, number two, is going to be a perfect addition to your pick of books from uh, November 2nd. Now, keeping with what I feel is a very fun and very original, as well as a very different take on the world we experience, and in many cases think we know, but probably have not truly come to know. Well, then we get a really fun story for me. It's a story called Arkham City, The Order of the World, Chapter 2. Oh, the doggies are sleeping now. I had to kind of pause for a second and shift the mic because, man, all you would have heard is wheezes and snores. And then you would have heard the dogs. But as I continue on, I love this take on how we've always come to perceive Arkham and its connection to Gotham, Batman, the Waynes, so many things, so many characters. Dan Waters, P. 
peeling back another layer that allows us to turn things to a very specific angle and then look very closely. Artist Danny provides the wonderfully vivid, absurd, brilliant, and, and clearly <laughs> revelations that I think when you collaborate with uh, Dan Waters are just going to be a byproduct. I've loved all the work that he's done on some amazing things. And I feel like this echoes some of his work on the indie title Coffin Bound. That could be me. And uh, if so, I'd like to give a shout out to our, our good friend, uh, Mr. Tony Farina, for introducing me to that book and then making me twisted and obsessed about it. No, well, he didn't do that. I did that. But he introduced me to the book that did. So, yeah. Thanks, Tony. <laughs> Dave Stewart provides great colors. Did you bitty car with the letters that are so important when you have voices like we do in this story. Sam Wolf Connolly on the original cover with Yasmin Putri providing the variant cover. Uh, man, you're you're gonna be okay with <laughs> whichever cover you pick. Both are reminders of just how wild and wonderful art can be when it's allowed to roam free, not required to meet a certain aesthetic or to fit the shape of a universe, but instead to define a very specific neighborhood in that universe and show how it can be so wildly different and yet with greater exposure become so familiar. With that, we have the opportunity to see some really interesting characters. And one of them is sadly being used as a, a source for those looking for a fix. It's a new high, one that is better than any other street drug out there and one that has people coming the first time for free and the second time willing to make a, a very painful trade in order to have the experience once again. Now, we also have some interesting characters who are not just those who <laughs> are from Arkham, but we do have those connected. One of them, Dr. Jocasta Joy, has recently been featured in a news publication and did not wish to. Um, also, we have the revelation, which has continued from last issue, that she has an ongoing association with the Ten-Eyed Man, someone who, <laughs> I swear, there's something about not only his look, which is so different from any way he's appeared before, but also the voice. This is where I really think those letters by Bidikar really come into play. Um, and through it all, we have the, the great portrayal of these so different figures by Danny with the amazing colors and together this art team they make characters like the ten-eyed man like Asriel in the church feel strange and yet equally familiar and we can see how Jocasta 
is being pulled into a deep mystery. The challenge then is that the person providing the information is the ten-eyed man, who's not very reliable. So, how is it that uh, this person, who medically shouldn't be able to do what he's doing, provide so many answers that Jocasta is looking for, and continue to reel her closer into this deeper story that connects the ten-eyed man, potentially Jocasta, clearly now Azrael, and a tragic character who is being used. And even if they get the chance at freedom, boy, they, they might not discover what they were looking for, let alone find any sort of peace after all the suffering they've experienced. Um, <laughs> this story does some wonderful things, goes into some very strange places, and uncovers so much that between the art and the story, I feel the only question you'll have at the end of the issue is not what's happening here, but how do I read more? Because the more I read, the closer I get, and it's a puzzle, it's a mystery like so many great stories out of Gotham and Arkham are. With that, I make Arkham City the Order of the World 2 my second choice for this week's episode. And we're going to go ahead and take a quick ad break so I can bring you on back and we can catch you up with all the great things going on at DC Comics News and then back here for my third, fourth, and fifth choices. Thanks for hanging out. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast, here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. <laughs> no. Hello listeners, this is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. 
just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the night. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up the bat, I'm nuts. I definitely do not f*** bat. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra-comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC Universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Your discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth joke. Here's <laughs> <laughs> hoping. <laughs> We're going to have guests on this show, we're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. <laughs> off, the t- off the cuff, let's go. Off the cuff, off the cuff. Anything off, you want, anything you cuff. want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's, that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bat Go. No, no one had to see more of the bat no, I didn't want God damn it. Look, all right. We're going to Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you were a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes, content creation, reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an un- unseasonable Santa hat. Except it's season, but whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. <laughs> Available exclusively on YouTube. And as promised, the ad break is over. We have returned right here on the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. We went ahead and got through my first two choices. Time for my third 
Ooh, and this one, and this one, and this one. Dark Knights of Steel, Tom Taylor. Just, just doing that thing that he's been doing so well in some really great titles. Um, <laughs> I mean, you can look at his Nightwing work. You can look at everywhere else he is making an impression. And it's here with a brand new series that we see an interesting twist on the origin of Superman and of the, uh, the family that in one version were left behind and in this version are also passengers on the journey to Earth. Art and Colors by uh, Yasmin Putri, um, Letters by Wes Abbott, which is really helpful because there is a style, a tone, and a technique to this one, and it's good to note. Main and character sheet variant cover by Yasmin Putri with open order variant cover by Joshua Middleton. Team variant cover by Wayne Reynolds. There's some good stuff on there. The original, the variant with uh, a really cool horse Batman vibe and a great sense of the the mystery as well as the uh, <laughs> the really cool reminder of the gaming environment that was, I'm sure, quite popular as in this main and character sheet variant cover by Yasmin Putri. With that, we have, as I said, a different version of Superman's origin, one in which his parents are with him when the escape craft lands because his mother is still pregnant and it is upon their arrival that she begins to give birth at which point, Clark's father, Kal-El's father, senses the approaching armies and dangers towards his wife, his offspring, his family. And it is that Jor-El lashes out with heat vision and the decimation is so great that he eventually rises to power and becomes ruler of the land. He resides with the family in Castle of El, and they are served by one young Bruce Wayne. Well, not quite so young. The, as it's called here, the bastard who <laughs> looks after the, uh, the Els, most importantly, their son, Cal, and who works on their behalf to keep the one great danger to the elves, magic, from becoming any sort of weapon. Those who are brought in, captured, brought to justice, however you want to go ahead and put it, they are then made prisoners. And they, sadly, find themselves at the mercy of those who fear them. Now. All of this is to set up the final two pages in which, maybe three, in which a drastic change occurs. One that will test not only Cal, his mother, their relationship to Bruce, and the society that they have ruled for the past 19 years. It's going to be interesting. And I feel that Tom Taylor is about to take us on a wild ride into sword and sorcery, 
myth and magic. And we should all be thankful for the great ride, for the opportunity, as I am, to go ahead and move from that really fun 5 out of 5 number 3 pick into my fourth choice. For that one, I went with Batman Superman Authority Special number 1. This one was really interesting, and yet another great example of the things that I personally feel Philip Kennedy Johnson continues to do so well that I've loved since his um, Last God series and ever since he's been working on projects like Action Comics and now with this special, one in which he is teamed up with uh, Trevor Harrison, Jonathan Glapion, Scott Hanna, and Rain Barreto, providing the uh, art for Earth to Zero, as well as Ben Templesmith with the art for Shadow Earth, Tom Napolitano on the letters, Rodolfo Migliari on the cover, Ji Yong Lee on the variant cover, and a story, The Empire of Shadows, the idea of what happens on a dark multiverse planet when the Al Ghuls, when something beyond what was started by the uh, family of Ross expands to a cosmic threat and then attains a weapon that allows them to pierce the veil between worlds and set their sights on a prime world, one in which so many great things can occur that will then provide a... (laughs) A way to unmake the rest of the universe, the rest of all the universes. The Earth, this one Earth, is their target, and that's why Batman has come to Superman and the authority team that he has been assembling, preparing for his eventual departure for Warworld and Mongol. And Batman requires their assistance to go rescue the asset who gives the Al Ghul Empire the opportunity and the danger of crossing multiverse planes and invading this present Earth. And man, the thing they caught, the asset, it's going to be an interesting development because there have already been examples that the position of this character is not absolute and is not something that can be uh, completely removed from the scope of those with the vision to see. With that, we get the great opportunity to then see how this asset is used in the story, how it is that a dangerous venture is undertaken, and, and with it, man, there are some great moments, shadowy worlds, colors, shapes, All of the characters that I've enjoyed in this series, because I've enjoyed them in other series, they are so different now. The the changes to them are drastic. They are severe. They make for a really eye-catching experience. And they are all part and parcel of this great series that clearly sets up an adversary who... I think, will be returning. And as far as I can tell, they think it too. 
It's a really fun five out of five book. One of the reasons why I'm happy to add it to this week's list and share it with you. And while I'm happy to share it with you, I am also aware that this means this brings us to our fifth and final book for uh, this week's episode. For this one, I decided to take a look at Teen Titans Academy number seven. We've had an interesting story going on here that I've really enjoyed because I feel that it's it's done some things that could go down the route of traditional, banal, bleh, and yet at the same time avoids that through thoughtful considerations and very genuine and honest dialogue. Tim Sheridan's writing is matched with Rafa Sandoval's pencils and Jordi Tarragona's inks, Alex Sinclair with the colors, Rob Lay with the letters, and Rafa Sandoval and Alejandro Sanchez on the original cover with Steve Leiber and Marissa Louise on the variant cover. So we've got the dogs whining, a little bit of whimpering and wheezing and snorting, and then we've got the planes flying overhead. So what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to keep going with this story, Gorillas in Our Mist. And um, did you know that Gorilla Grodd had a nephew named Greg? And that Greg has been working with the Titans to see what kind of future he can create for himself. Well, that all got interrupted by Grodd last issue. And Greg, in his best attempt to protect someone he cares deeply about, decides to, for the moment, go along with his uncle until he can find the best opportunity to make sure that all of his friends are safe and that the person he cares the most about knows what he is doing and can help him keep them safe. There's some great moments in this story that remind me of what it's like when you decide to have two characters sort of face off a bit and one who has been positioned lower, challenging that other figure in authority and in so doing saying, for all this time, you might've told me I was this and made me feel that. And in reality, it would appear that I am more than what you decided I was or tried to tell me I was. And how because of that, um, we see some great growth out of Greg. We see some great growth out of some other characters. And one of the things I really enjoyed is the usage of a letter. Sometimes letters for me can feel like a way that the writer is removing themselves from as much of the action in the uh, story. And yet when it's done correctly, when it's used with a purpose and not something that's just thrown in as a gimmick or something like that. It can be really effective in this issue. That's exactly what happens. There is a great letter and some great potential that could be unearthed in future stories. All of this combined with the beautiful art, the lovely colors, the amazing developments and layouts that make this issue of Teen Titans Academy, like so many others, a great five out of five choice and a great way to wrap up a really fun episode of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. I've been your host, Seth Singleton, and this has been episode number 130. You've been listening on the DC Comics News 
podcast network. All you ever have to do to make sure you get every new episode coming your way and can go ahead and travel on back in time and hear the old ones. Subscribe. Whatever platform you're listening to, when you subscribe, that's how you can make sure that uh, (laughs) whatever that noise was, who knows, monsters, ghosts, scary things, or just a house settling. Whenever you subscribe, you guarantee that every new episode is dropped into your feed and ready for you to enjoy. If you want to tell a friend, you can let them know that we're on iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher and Wow, so many others. But whatever one you're listening to, that's the one we can't wait for you to tune back in on so you can hear more right from us on the DC Comics News Podcast Network. You'll get great original shows like I Am The Night and uh, Mad Love. You'll also get the weekly podcast where we bring you all the top news stories in movie, TV, streaming, comics, and more. And... You can, of course, always let us know what you think about any of those shows or episodes by finding us on your favorite social media platform using the at symbol in DC Comics News. Capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N-E-W-S. That's DC Comics News. Punch it in. Send us your thoughts. And we can't wait to have a great conversation with you. We love hearing all your suggestions, feedback, thoughts, support. And with that, all I can say is I'm looking forward to the next time we get a chance to hang out. So we leave you with this final reminder that we love to share at the end of every episode. And that is to always read more comics. Thanks. Can't wait to see you next time.